everybody and welcome to the above par golf show so today i've got anna minami who is a professional golfer as well as a professional speed golfer uh, welcome anna how are you great great to be here thank you for having me thank you very much no it's good to have you so i want to really start with the start of your career your golfing career how did it all start for you how old were you how did you get into golf so I started playing since I was three years old. So it's always been my life. I actually don't really remember picking up a golf club. It's just always been in my blood, I guess. My parents love golf. So one of my youngest memories is just playing on the course with them. So we don't, it would always be a family thing. Okay. And, and so at the time, where were you living when you first got, got into golf? So I moved around a lot, um, but... So I was born in London. I lived there for three years. I played golf there a bit. I lived in Switzerland. I played golf in the mountains. I lived in Russia. I was too young to remember Russia, but my parents were a member at Moscow Country Club. So I guess a pretty nice golf course, but the season was really short, so they couldn't really play much there. But yeah, so I grew up playing golf in Europe. And so that's basically how I developed my low ball flight i guess <laughs> i'm used to the wind yeah i mean you obviously playing there in all sorts of different climates countries i mean in in england of course you've got all link style courses mm -hmm. i don't know too much about what it's like in switzerland and russia but i imagine it's a completely different game altogether again with the weather and i saw that you as you just mentioned there you kind of sort of did the likes to low flight the ball because of that you're good at playing in the wind so how did you how did you kind of think it improved you as a player then apart from maybe playing in the wind how did you improve as a player by having all this experience in in many different countries and different types of courses it definitely made me I guess a very open-minded person I love experiencing new cultures I just I can I'm one of those people that has no food problems I can eat anything I just love visiting countries and I think that helped me prepare into professional golf because, you know, as a professional and it really traveling became second nature to me. I mean, I already have a million miles on United. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, it's always uh, been easy guess, for me. I guess getting used to traveling and all that kind of stuff is part of being a professional as well. Um, yes. You listen to what these professionals talk about and, and everybody thinks that they're just kind of robots that can play every week and they never get tired. But especially now during COVID, they're in and out of hotels, they eat at the same restaurants, they're constantly traveling, traveling especially, um, you know, people that have probably played in Asia or played in the United States in bigger countries and they're constantly traveling mm -hmm. around. So how, how did you handle all that throughout your kind of playing career as well with the, the moving around a lot? Um, did that affect you at all? I mean, it's, it could be quite difficult for somebody that's younger as well. Um, yeah, it was definitely hard. Um, so my mom is actually my manager right now. So we actually go everywhere together. We live together in Japan and I'm an only child. So I guess I always grew up in a very small family household. So I guess for me, it wasn't as challenging. Um, yeah, I mean, it would be nice to have pets. I love dogs for instance, but it's, kind of hard with all the traveling so it's just yeah. mostly me and my mom right now <laughs> I'm kind of in this same situation I travel around quite a lot between kind of like Mexico and in the UK and Europe because I work freelance and I love traveling too and I'm the same way I like I just want a dog but it just means that I can't travel, <laughs> so I'm kind of stuck exactly. with <laughs> and um, so you moved to South Carolina when you first started to take golf more seriously mm -hmm. um was that kind of a big move at the time for yourself and your family or were you already at a stage where, you know, you and your family knew you were a really good golfer and you were going to play college and maybe pro or were you still kind of like, this is a big risk and we have to see how it goes? Um, so before moving to South Carolina, I was in Switzerland and I was part of this junior golf program and I was doing really well. And my dad was thinking, well, if you want to, you know, get better, probably moving to the US would be a bigger stage. So I, I've always, for a vacation, I always visited my dad's family in Wisconsin. So like I, I was, I love the US. 
Sure. And um, so there was this golf academy called the IJGA in South Carolina. Back then it was run by Gary Gilchrist. Mm-hmm. So um, I went to visit there and I loved it. So I ended up going there for my whole high school, throughout mm-hmm. high school. And how did that develop you as a player as well, moving into, um, I mean, it's probably a, a little bit more of a maybe competitive kind of vibe, playing with other kids that, you know, all the teenagers that are really good as well. How did that kind of move you on as a player? It was nice because it was very international. There were golfers from all over the world and there were a lot of really good players. Like I was the same year as Stephanie Meadow. She's on mm-hmm. the LPGA now. Sure. And... Yeah, a lot of other really good players. And um, uh, so like, how did it, can you repeat oh, the question? No, it's okay. <laughs> no, I was just like thinking how, how it kind of improved you even more as a player, okay. uh, getting into that more kind of competitive nature between people that are as, as good as yourself now, where maybe I think it's that stage of the career that some people go through where they're kind of really good, they get really good, and then they get put in, say, college or or the academy like that where everybody else is now as good as you and that can kind of kick you on even more as a player. So the good thing about being in an academy is that it's a lot like college, uh, college golf, in that we have school in the morning, classes in the morning, and then we have basically practice and workouts the whole rest of the day. And it's a lot like college life. So it really forces you to manage time. And obviously playing with good players all the time is a huge benefit. Sure. Um, I guess the downside would be like, you know, we're all high schoolers. We all want to have fun too. So there are a lot of distractions. So I guess it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely a challenge being able to practice, work hard and, you know, but have time for friends and a normal high school life as well. So sure. Yeah. And I imagine that was pretty much the same when you played at Kansas as well. I mean, um, I've spent a little bit of time in the US when I was younger and I remember kind of, you know, all the parties there and the atmosphere there. They have, you know, the American football, basketball. It's it's uh, quite a lot going on, like like you said, in high school as well. So it's uh, probably quite difficult to focus. How, how did you manage to stick down to your golf and just focus on that throughout your, say, your college career as well? So the great thing about being a college golfer is that you have so many people there to help you. You have the coaches who want you to succeed. You have all the like the resources, like the tutoring, the study halls, exam, all those resources there for you. So, I mean, it was nice because we were never, I never felt alone. I always had teammates. I always had my coaches. So, I mean, it was definitely an amazing time in my career. Yeah. Was it quite a new experience for you, considering that you were born in, in the UK? Because I'm quite a big fan of, of the other American sports as well as golf. And I think one see we, thing we see a lot with the American players in any sport, they're very drilled from a young age to that kind of, you know, whether it's media or pressure, et cetera, because even from a young age, you know, they show baseball and golf on sports center from the age of nine sometimes. So these kids are from a young age being interviewed, being under pressure situations. And then you can see when they get to the pro game that they're not really phased. Did you uh, feel kind of differently because you were born in the UK and maybe didn't grow up all your life in the, in the United States or did you not kind of feel that? It's, that's true. I didn't really know a lot of like the famous classic American songs that I guess I should have. <laughs> but it's funny because I had a lot of Asian teammates as well. And I definitely see myself. So it's interesting because I'm Asian American, but also have a background in Europe. So I, I could be like any kind of culture. I like have many cultures mixed into one. So I really got along with everyone on the team. And yeah, and I, I love the college basketball atmosphere. I, I went to a lot of the basketball games at KU. And I mean, just, I had so much fun going to a big school. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's just something that I always see with, like I said, the professional players. They just seem to already kind of be ready for that that kind of pressure, like drilled into it. So, mm. but I guess you know, as you said, you've done all that moving around. You've played in different areas, so you've got your own kind of strengths in in that, I guess. Um, so, in terms of what you're doing now, then, so you, you said you're trying to pursue kind of getting onto the LPGA, LPGA, mm-hmm. JL, uh, JPGA. Um, so where are you at kind of now you've you've also mentioned that it's difficult to play kind of tournaments at the moment with covid so how often and and where are you kind of playing your tournaments at the moment so before i i have my license tour card on the taiwan lpga the tlpga um but since covid hit you know taiwan is not accepting anyone to come over so i haven't been able to compete there i in Japan, because I haven't passed the JLPGA qualifying, I there's not really many tournaments for me to play besides these like one day events, which it's really hard to get an actual tournament feel, tournament experience. So that's why I'm currently back home in uh, Texas and there's this WAPT tour and that's like the third tier of the LPGA. So there's a lot of good competition there and I'm going to play in a couple of events these upcoming weeks mm-hmm. and hopefully get my tournament experience up and I'll be doing the, U- the US LPGA qualifying school, Q school in August this year. And I'm also going to do the Japan qualifying later this year as well. So it's going okay. to be a busy, busy year. Yeah, he's still very busy then. So let's say during a normal kind of uh, situation without COVID and stuff like that, what's your kind of daily or weekly routine as a professional player in terms of your, your fitness and exercise, your eating, you know, scheduling everything. You said that you, you've got your mum as the manager there, but you've got to organise travel and all that kind of thing. What's your weekly kind of routine look like mm. in terms of preparing for a weekend tournament? So I'm mostly living in Japan, actually, because my most of my, my whole career basically is in Japan. I... Uh, when I'm not competing. So for Taiwan, they have about 13 tournaments in the year, I would say roughly. So I kind of go back and forth because it's only like a three hour plane flight from Tokyo. So, but when I'm not competing, I uh, do round lessons in Japan. I, uh, uh, so basically I play golf every day, which, helps my game so that's why i really enjoy doing the round lessons i get to teach people but also get to work on my game by playing on the course um so been busy with that um let's see i do a lot of running um i i have like a balanced workout routine where i kind of focus on every part of the body the upper arms, the lower body, the core, kind of a balanced. Um, And as for nutrition, I uh, make sure I have a protein rich diet, Um, eating a lot of chicken or fish, uh, a lot of vegetables, fruits, yogurt. So yeah, pretty normal, I guess. Oh, that's cool. And so you're also doing the, the speed golf as well. So mm-hmm. for people that don't know, um, I mean, I, I know what it is, but I wasn't that knowledgeable about it. What's the kind of differences between normal golf besides the kind of obvious that it's that it's obviously a lot quicker? Is it like different rules, different format? How, how does that work? So speed golf is basically running and playing golf at the same time. <laughs> uh, long story short. Um, so Basically you play 18 holes. You have a max of seven clubs that you can carry, um, but you can obviously take less than seven. And you run for 18 holes, but so time and score, they're both really important. So that's why you want to play well, but you also want to be fast. And there's a lot of strategy involved and um, yeah, it's been great. I just started a couple of years ago and it, I use it as part of my training because mm-hmm. I mean, because I still get to golf and I, but I also get to train as a runner, which obviously 
helps as well <laughs> yeah sounds like a lot of hard work i mean so you you won at the a tournament that is that is at speed golfing in 2019 the w angle uh, extreme golf world champion aren't you in, in 2019 was it yes so she like a speed golf uh like tele televised show mm -hmm. um and it was a like a world championship so uh people from many different countries uh we had like six teams i believe yes and i was representing japan so me and uh, another guy we were like a pair mm -hmm. and i mean uh yeah we ended up winning the whole thing so it was cool experience. Cool experience. <laughs> yeah and in terms of your game itself then What's kind of what, in your personal opinion, what's your good parts, bad parts of your game in terms of just regular golf? You know, what sort of shots do you like to hit? Which ones don't you like to hit? So it's funny. People always ask me what's my favorite club in the bag, but it's kind of, I guess I'm very interesting in that um, I, I tell people I'm an all-rounder because everything to me is like, uh, I don't want to say average, but I guess it's all around the same level <laughs> because um, so I'm a very feel type person. And when things don't go well, I guess everything kind of slowly uh, kind of gets rocky. Mm -hmm. But when things go well, everything is pretty solid. So that's why I consider myself all rounder. Like I'm fairly straight. I'm fairly long off the tee. Um, um, decent putter short game so yeah so you're not the type of player where one day the putter might go cold or your driving accuracy is a little bit off you just tend to have a good day or a bad day maybe yeah I've been working on that I, I started working with a mental coach this year and it's it's getting better but you know I'm just trying to get it more consistent consistently sure. good. <laughs> That's interesting, though. I mean, I've heard a lot of the players talking about that recently in terms of um, uh, getting these mental coaches in. Mm. Um, I was watching the the the, the um, LPGA the other day, and I think it was Mel Reed that was talking about that, and also uh, Lexi Thompson, who strongly believes in that. Um, so, what made you make that decision, um, and how does it help you as a golf player? So last year. There was this like online summit that my mental coaches uh, hosted so they brought a lot of really interesting guys on the on the show and i was listening to all of them and then one girl that i met during the wapt she she's a really good player and um, she worked with them so it made me want to work with them as well and so it's only been a couple months, but I, I definitely see the benefits of working with a mental coach, especially with a sport like golf, which is mental, to be honest, especially at my level. So it's definitely sure. important. So what sort of kind of routines or techniques do they put you through to, to try and help you game? So a lot of it is uh, mental imagery. So basically being able to hit the shot and see the shot in as vivid as and much detail as you can and possible. So it's, yeah, it's easier said than done. It's sure. not, yeah. You have to get to the point where your muscles start twitching, which is, yeah, something I haven't accomplished yet. So I've been <laughs> working on that. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw like a, an interesting app for the putting. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, it was actually a UK company that started it. And people use it on the putting green where they have the headphones in and it kind of plays like some nice kind of mellow music. And then as the bell kind of sounds, they then have to just make their putt. And I'm not, personally, I don't know how that helps, but it's really interesting the kind of things now that are involved in the game of golf to help. So yeah, it's pretty cool. But you feel like it's helped you already in the, in the first couple of months. So basically if you if i can do mental imagery well then i can um practice that pressure that i get through tournaments and everything and so i basically so i can walk up to the ball and just not be afraid at all or feel like i've done this a thousand times 
So that's what the mental imagery does. It makes you fully prepared for what you're about to do. So I definitely think it, there's a lot of science behind it. It is really important to do for athletes, uh, for, yeah, for athletes to do. But, sure. So, yeah. And it's about thinking positive, right? I mean, maybe there's yes, a... All that there's a hole on a particular course where maybe on day one you hit it right off the tee and normally the first thing in you, that comes in your head as a, as a human or a golfer is I hit it right yesterday and that's what gets these players so it's just trying to um, think positively about that I mean with that kind of stuff then do you have any sort of particular pre-shot routine do you try and as you said try and focus on it on your target and see the whole shot playing out and then just step up or do you have like a specific routine every time? It's very important to have a specific routine every time. Um, and so basically, I, uh, with my mental coaches, we talked about having a trigger. So having something that you do constantly and that which will help you to get into deep focus over the shot. So basically getting you into the zone. So that's mm -hmm. what they help me with is getting into the zone like, like that, like uh, whenever you can, uh, whenever you need it. Yeah. Sure. So. Yeah, because I, I spoke to um, a friend of mine, it's an amateur golfer um, on the last episode, and he's kind of more of a kind of John Ram kind of player where he just steps into the ball. He has a very short and powerful swing and he doesn't really think about it much. And his idea of that is because just the less swing thoughts, um, the better. And the longer he kind of stands over that ball or has a pre-shot routine, he's thinking, thinking, thinking. So as you're doing your swings, either with the driver or any club, are you having any kind of thought processes as a professional or is it all just now see the target, step up and you, and you just do it all naturally? So the reason why I actually really love speed golf is because you run and hit without thinking because doing a pre-shot routine takes time and <laughs> like thinking oh. takes time. So, and it amazes me how I can make a lot of putts without just like running up to it and hitting without thinking. And it made me realize, well, that's what I need to bring into regular golf. So that's, yeah. So that was really refreshing to experience and that's why I definitely take less time than I did before I started speed golf. And because definitely that's been my biggest problem is just overthinking over the ball. Mm -hmm. have, yeah. have, you ever, have you ever mistaken the two types of golf that you do? And sometimes at a regular tournament, you just, you'd start running after the hit the ball by accident. <laughs> <laughs> so actually for a while, especially after I won in 2019 for the, at the world championship, um, I was, I actually saw it would help if, if I, whenever I was nervous or anything, after I hit, I would just like do a light jog to the next shot. And mm -hmm. I mean, I thought it was really good, but I guess when it came to like four or five day, day tournaments, I mean, events, it, it definitely gets a little tiring. And <laughs> so, and lately I haven't really been doing it, but <laughs> yeah. But it, I definitely think it, it helps. Yeah. And in terms of kind of like the speed of play there, I mean, there's been a lot of talk recently in both the men's and the women's game about players that kind of play really slow. I think the ladies, I think at the moment, are getting a little bit more the, the slack than the men, although both of them are all guilty of it. Um, have you experienced that much in, in your career? Like, how, how do you see it? Is there still people taking too long uh, on the tours that you in the tournaments that you're playing in? So to really interesting thing about the Japan and the JLPGA is that the players are actually naturally really fast, I feel, yeah. compared to other tours and other players in other countries. So because the pace of play is so strict in Japan. And I think, so personally, I never really had, had any issues playing golf in Japan. But. Yeah, okay. I guess I haven't really played enough pro events in America to really 
meet all the slow players but yeah <laughs> yeah <I was> just, <laughs> if, it's, if, if maybe right. something that happens you know all over the world as well I know we get a little bit of it, of it in in Europe in the European tour as well but yeah, it's. It, I don't know. It just seems to be a little bit of a problem at the moment, and I. I was wondering whether it was kind of global or maybe just something in the U.S. But I guess uh, no, it really depends. But like Taiwan, it was pretty fast as fast as well, I believe. I mean, there's always going to be like those couple of players that are just crazy slow, and though I guess, but everyone knows about them too, so they kind of prepare <laughs> themselves. Uh-huh. But other than that, yeah, it's. I guess it's not as many as people think. Mm-hmm. I guess, yeah. Yeah. So with, with yourself being uh, obviously from Japanese roots, your, your mother's Japanese, mm-hmm. uh, you guys must be very proud with what's going on uh, recently with, with um, well, I mean, Asian plays in, in, in oh. general, but of course the, the Japanese as well, Matsuyama winning the, the, the Masters. Did you guys, or did you watch that tournament or did you really catch kind of like the final day? Were you playing that weekend? So I was in Japan during that tournament. I watched it and <laughs> I, I watched it in Japan with the Japanese commentary and all the commentators were like crying and they were just like, oh, they just couldn't talk anymore. They were just, everyone was just so happy in Japan. And then the next day it was all over the newspapers and oh it was everywhere and you know i mean it was a huge thing for japan they were so happy yeah i mean you've got a you've got a billboard in in tokyo as well right so maybe now you're on the alongside matsuyama <laughs> no he, he was his was being his will be much bigger <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um, it's, I mean, it, it's happening a lot in the in the PGA and LPGA, LPGA now. Of, there's a bunch of Asian players now, or or ones that are, come from Asian roots that are just absolutely dominating the game in, in both men and women's. What what do you put that success down to? I mean, um, obviously they're they're big countries like the, the United States, but they're obviously getting something right in in how they they're training these players, and um, yeah, they're they're clearly doing something right. So Yuko Soso is another example. She yeah. actually plays on the JLPGA. Mm-hmm. And so before she won the US Women's Open, she was mostly in Japan and, uh, and she was dominating in Japan as well. And I believe that there's gonna be a lot more players from, from Asia, especially from Japan who will dominate in the US because First of all, the tour is really good. It's extremely competitive and extremely strong. And so there's definitely going to be a lot more younger, really strong players from Japan, especially. Yeah, and South Korea as well have, have produced yeah, a lot South of great Korea players, mm-hmm. um, especially in the, in the female game. There's a bunch of them there now. That's great to see. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was it was good to see him win. I mean, th- I think you've sort of been. I don't know if you feel the same way, but one thing I noticed with them, they just seemed well fearless. Some of them, the way Matsuyama was playing. I mean, I think he admitted that he was nervous on the last hole. Maybe he said, but just the way he played all weekend, and especially on that Sunday, because they didn't you know he was going to be the first Japanese player to win, and it was against all odds and that kind of thing. He just seemed completely fearless. But as well, um, watching a lot of the LPGA players play. They're, they're kind of the same. They don't seem to have many nerves. They just play really confident. And so I'm not sure why that is. So I, part of that is because of how competitive and how tough it is to get on, for example, the JLPGA tour. So we have this thing called the protest, which we have to go through. So it's three stages of qualifying um, for a second and final. And at the at final stage, only 20 people pass and get their pro license. So when you get that pro license, then you can do Q school, then you can do the Monday qualifying for in Japan. Mm-hmm. But until you, so if you don't have it, then basically you have nothing in Japan. It's like really, it's really hard to um, play in tournaments or compete as a pro. So that's why a lot of Japanese pro um, go outside Japan, like Taiwan, China, mm-hmm. a lot of other tours. But that's why if you can go through that protest system, if you can, if you are one of those 20 pros, I mean, 
you you can really play anywhere because it's just so it's just so hard to pass like they just finished um yesterday the protest for this year mm -hmm. uh yeah well it's supposed to be last year they didn't have it last year but anyway and uh the cut was at four under yeah so i mean wow it's standard it's really tough yeah only 20 people and cut was four under so yeah and you got your card in in Taiwan, you said. So, what's the golf game like there, as opposed to maybe uh, Japan or South Korea? Is it really competitive there as well? Are they producing good players? I mean, it's it's obviously a smaller country, but are they, how's the golf game there? So, on the Taiwan LPGA Tour, there's a lot of Thai players. Actually, there's a lot of Thai Taiwanese, um, a lot of Japanese now. So. A lot of Asian players and they're very strong. And um, so the one thing that's interesting about Taiwan is the courses, the grass is so different. It's it's kind of like Bermuda, but I don't really know. Do you know Kodai? It's a type of grass. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. It's but it's really hard to put on. It's so the greens run at about they average about 7.5, 7, mm -hmm. 8. It's really slow. So you basically have to, I don't know, punch out the yeah. every, all the time. So it's, it's a completely different experience. The, the course conditions are so different. Um, but I mean, I guess it's a good, good um, development tour because a lot of good players came out of the Taiwan LPGA tour. So. Mm -hmm. I mean, being able to play anywhere, I think it's really good benefit. I mean, that's one of the great things about golf as well, in my opinion, is that with a lot of other sports, whether it's, you know, uh, soccer or American football or, or basketball, you put all the best players in the world in any stadium and they're normally going to win because they're the best player. But I think what we get that's really good in golf is that, you know, for example, a lot of these American players that then go and play in Europe, whether it's for the Open or for, or for the Ryder Cup, you know, they all of a sudden can become much less of a good golfer. And you really get to, you know, we get a good range of different types of courses and standards all, ac all across the world, basically, which I don't think we get in many other sports, whereby, you know, Europeans, vice versa, going to America can just find it completely different and, and can struggle. Yeah, definitely, I agree. Yeah. So after the kind of, you know, windy style of courses that you said you like to play in, What's kind of your favorite countries or tournaments that you kind of played in across the world? Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> I went with my team in college to Ireland for a 10 day trip, I believe. Yeah, that was an amazing experience playing a lot of the well-known courses. The link style. Um, yes, yes. And Oh, let's see. I played in the KLPGA tournament in Vietnam. That was a really awesome experience. Um, ooh, Philippines. I really love the Philippines. Um, just honestly, just being able to play anywhere. Switzerland is a beautiful country, no? Yes, yes. No, Switzerland was awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the courses in the summer, they would be golf courses, but in the winter, they'd basically be ski mountains. Or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was just funny. Yeah, so every week, every weekend, I would go skiing. So I would be yeah. busy golfing and skiing. That's so that cool. was awesome. So in terms of your game, then, if you kind of love, it seems like you're probably suited to maybe like a European-style golf. Have you ever thought about trying to play on the, the, the tour there or, or, or anything, or have you not given that thought? I definitely did think about it. It looks awesome. I have a couple of friends playing on the Ladies European Tour. Um, I guess it depends how this year goes. And yeah. Uh, Could really see no, no, Yeah, that's true. It would. It's just a whole... I don't know, because I'm so used to American and Asian courses now. I guess I have to, it's, 
I haven't been back to Europe since I left, basically. So probably be a big adjustment again for me. Yeah, bit of a change. But I definitely do want to go back. Um, I definitely would love to play in a couple tournaments in Europe. Yeah. So hopefully one day. Yeah, and outside of golf, then I mean, as well, you've you've got some other interests. Um, you've done stuff in in fashion and modeling and TV. Have you already ha always had kind of a, a passion for those kind of things, or or was that just something that you that came on recently? Or I I do love. I I had a lot of time, uh, a lot of fun being on the TV shows, um, getting to travel to different countries for that, and. Um, I, so I'm actually in a management company called FG Entertainment, and mm. they're basically a media-based media-type company where um, they, they also uh, run a lot of TV shows in Japan and a lot of those kind of media-related things. And I, I've always, I guess I've always loved doing media-related things because um, I graduated as a journalism major in at University of Kansas. So mm -hmm. that's basically what, what I studied being a reporter and all that. So I, I love doing those um, side gigs, I guess you would call it. Sure. But, and, I, but, and I got offered to do uh, modeling for this uh, Japanese golf brand five years ago now. And I, I really love it. Um, it's just any kind of, I guess, for professional golf, to me, professional golf doesn't only mean being being able to compete in tournaments. It's also, I guess, develop this image, um, being able to promote yourself. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's why it's important to have social media and being able to do a lot of different things, not just play golf, I guess. <laughs> so sure. I, I mean, like to do a lot of different things. Yeah, I mean, it's quite a big topic now, particularly in the men's game, isn't it? About how they may be thinking about players that have got more of a social media, um, you know, I don't know what the word, profile, I guess, might end up yeah. them becoming, you know, better paid because of it. I mean, what's your thoughts on all that kind of thing? Um, do you agree with that or what's your opinion on it? So, well, first of all, I feel really bad for Ricky Fowler because everyone gives him so much crap about how he does all these commercials and stuff. And I'm like, what's wrong with that? I mean, I think yeah. it's awesome that he's able to bring so much more um, fans to the game, make golf more popular. I mean, that's basically what we're all trying to do is, you know, make golf more popular. And I think that's awesome. And I would encourage any, any pros to do that, anyone to do that. Yeah. And going to the fashion side of it then, I mean, Ricky Fowler is a good example for that as well. As we know, back in the day, he's rocks all sorts. But for the fashion side of it, for you, what sort of brands are you into at the moment? What, what do you like to wear on the course? So I, for some reason, I've always really loved fashion. I've always, um, it's just something that I've always um, appreciated, I guess. And um so unfortunately, the brand that I model for, they don't have a closing line, so I can't okay. really do much about that. But um, um, there's this brand called Jack Bunny, Japan, that I uh, helped when they came to the uh, PGA show in uh, two, two years ago. Yeah, I was like their translator slash helper. And so they give me clothes sometimes, but other than that, I'm just kind of buy whatever I love. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love Puma. I love their skirts. Um, yeah, just whatever. I love, actually, I really love Korean golf fashion too. They're just so okay. classy and so stylish. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think, like you said, it's important to, to look good as well on the course. I mean, in one of my other episodes, I spoke to somebody that's into fashion golf and he said, you know, it's just as important for him that he looks good and he's got all the swag as, as well as, as playing good. And I think it's something that comes from golf, isn't it? You, you should look good on the course, how you act, etc. It's something that's important for the game. Yeah, definitely. If you have confidence, and I feel like it really shows in, in your golf. So and yeah, wearing what makes you happy definitely brings confidence. So sure. 
and you're also a certified teacher as well is is that something that you're maybe thinking of doing later in in life maybe after playing or is it just something you're passionate about as well as playing so to be honest i'm i consider myself a horrible teacher <laughs> um but uh my for some reason my round lessons are extremely popular in japan they get like oh, fully yeah. booked like the first couple hours they get fully booked and um yeah so i some kind of license some kind of like teaching background and so that's why i did the usgtf mm -hmm. but um i guess i should focus more on teaching later on eventually but oh i don't know it's just it's another stressful thing for me because <laughs> sure. i just don't have the confidence to help people improve their games but <laughs> i mean i was gonna ask oh yeah i definitely what what makes you think Sorry, you're what? a bad teacher what makes you think you're a bad teacher oh <laughs> i guess going back to me being such a field type person mm. like i could give people uh drills i guess to get them to have the right feeling but i don't know it's just my philosophy is that everyone can hit the ball it doesn't matter what kind of swing you have everyone has the potential to hit the ball well mm -hmm. like i mean for example matthew wolf and a lot of these other guys right they have very unique swings but they still play amazing so that's why i don't want to i don't like to fix too much in people's swing sure. i just try to do like the bare minimum in in the beginning and just uh -huh. see how that goes but I just think it's really hard to fix someone's swing, especially when they're a lot older. Sure. So, yeah, that's why I try not to change too much, I guess. That's what yeah. About. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult because it's a good point. I think it's what a lot of teachers and, and players talk about, isn't it? Is, well, it doesn't happen so much now, but a lot of teachers used to follow like this swing that everybody should have. And you're supposed to do this, you're supposed to do that. But then, like you said, you've got people like, uh, you know, John Ron with the shorter swing and and uh, Matthew Wolf, as you said, with that kind of baseball style swing, whereby they're doing something that's completely against the standard swing and, and yet it's working so well. So, I mean, right. on, the, on that note, what, how do you, how do you remember kind of your swing started? Did you have a teacher when you first started? What sort of age did you start to get like coaching and, and actual serious um, coaching, I guess? So, when I was in South Carolina at the golf academy, I had this coach that I really liked. His name was Josh, and um, he actually ended up marrying the assistant coach at University of Kansas. So when I went to Kansas, I still got to see him because he moved there. Mm -hmm. So, and he was he was a he's a really he's one of the top junior coaches, I think. Yeah, he's really good, and but. And what I liked about him was that he didn't, he was one of those that kind of left me to play with my unique swing. So for example, I have a naturally very strong grip and I didn't really notice, realize it at the time, but later on, that's what people kept commenting on and asking me if I should, if um, telling me that I should fix it. But I mean, then I bring up Dustin Johnson He's a perfect example. He has a strong grip as well. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's something that's very unique to me, I guess. That I think if I try to change now, it would just change everything. So, sure. yeah. So. I mean, he's, he's like a really unique example. What he could do with his wrists and, and all mm -hmm. these joints, I think is just completely unnatural. Right. Yeah. So, um, and when you're training then, um, again, maybe when you were younger or even now as a, as a pro, how, how often are you training? Are you the type of person that will just go out and push yourself? Or do you have a coach that kind of tells you we're going to train X amount of times this week? Or are you just kind of somebody that organizes your own practice routines, stuff like that? So at the moment, yeah, everything I do is by myself. I have a workout routine that I do by myself. I... Uh, uh, so when I'm in Japan, I'm playing golf mostly every day because that's basically my job. I get paid to play golf. So, mm -hmm. um, so I consider that as like my practice slash work. So 
play golf every day, um, work out. So other than that, I really don't have much time for anything else. Yeah. <laughs> basically my daily routine. Can imagine. And on the on the different tours now um, across the world, what what sort of players do you like to watch at the moment, either in the men's or women's? Is there any you know young players that you really like the look of that are going to be going to be superstars one day? Ooh, uh, it's a tough one. Um, I feel like I'm getting so old now that everyone <laughs> to me looks so young, and they're all just so good and just so mentally tough and I was like oh yeah I remember those days but uh, <laughs> um, I guess I have several friends who are doing really well on tour um, Min Lee she's from Taiwan she's been playing really well on the regular and she won a Symmetra tour event um, so I like following her I like to follow a lot of the players that I knew from the IJGA, like Stephanie Meadow and Zorensky. Uh, Zorensky. Mm -hmm. um, oh, I guess Yuka Sasso is someone as well that yeah. I really admired. It's funny because uh, we played in the same pro-am in Japan. And so she would, she was like the, like the big celebrity pro, I guess, at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, they did this thing where every tee shot she hit on that course, they would put a flag down where her ball was. So like all the other groups could see where Yuka Sasso's tee shot was. Wow. And seeing that, I mean, it was cool because I got to kind of witness, right? The disparity. <laughs> um, yeah, and it, it was, depressing depressing I guess to see that wow she really does outdry, drive me by like, uh, 20 yards I guess yeah mm -hmm. it was but I don't consider myself a short hitter I like average around 250 off the tee which is okay. kind of not bad I guess but oh uh, yeah seeing her that little flag on the fairway on every hole that was really depressing yeah she, <laughs> she definitely bombs it yeah. <laughs> Yeah, to, did you watch much of that tournament as well? Did you manage to see much of her win? Yeah. Yes, I did. That was it was definitely another huge thing for Japan and for the Philippines as well, obviously. Yeah. But, it, it was great as well just to see, you know, her as a person. I think that emotion she showed in the interview afterwards was was really, really good. I mean, she's obviously young and it was a lot of pressure for her, but it was great to great to go on and see her win that. I mean, it just impressed me how good she was out of the rough. I don't know. I, I didn't know much about her before that tournament, if I'm being honest. I'd not seen loads of her. But every time I watched her, she just seemed to be miles better than everybody else at, at chopping out that rough, but not only getting it out and getting it onto the green and with a decent putt for birdie or, or par, whatever it may be. Um, so, you know, what, what else is, is good about her game? Why do you think she was so successful that weekend? So it's funny, yeah, like like you said, a lot of people had no idea who she was until, you know, that tournament. And it's funny because she was, prior to that, she was dominating in Japan. She was, she won several tournaments on the Japan LPGA Tour. And uh, I mean, obviously the power, the, her, the, the, her distance, that's her main thing. But she's just so solid in every part of her game, her, is obviously amazing short game is very solid she can recover from everywhere mm -hmm. um so i think having all those wins in japan definitely helped her gain a lot of confidence and experience and so i guess winning the u.s women's open was just didn't seem as challenging i guess yeah sure in terms of your uh, golfing career so far then what what's sort of the the most happy memories you have of of golf um, up until now? Uh, honestly, just being able to meet all the people through golf and being able to travel and experience so many different things and, and have so many different opportunities, I guess that was, that's just number one. Um, yeah, I didn't think I would be playing golf for this long, but I guess it's, it's, it's my life. I can't imagine not playing golf. It's just... Mm -hmm. 
So it's just, it's been awesome. I think golf is one of a wonderful, wonderful sport, sport mm. because anyone can play it and it doesn't matter how old you are and you get to experience nature. You get to play on so many different beautiful courses. So mm. yeah, it's, it's wonderful. Yeah, I think it's something that, you know, I, I agree on in terms of the golf industry just seems to be like that as well. You talked about, you know, the connections you made there and, mm -hmm. and you know, just me as an amateur golfer that wanted to do this podcast and I'd reach out to people such as yourself and everybody's so happy to make that connection and help you out and just for the, you know, for the for the pure love of the game, which I think is really nice to see. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Does, does your, does your mum play as well with you or is she just managing... Right now she's just managing, but yeah, when, when we're back here in Texas, we try and play a couple rounds with my dad as well. So the three of us, we play golf still sometimes. Yeah. yeah I mean, she's still really good. Uh -huh. She's, she's a, well, she's a, a handicap. So, oh, wow. and she won several of her like, um, course, uh, member, member tournaments, I guess. Yeah. So. So was, was sport always kind of in the family then? Or have you done other sports as a child? Or was it, was it mainly just golf? So my mom was into track. And my dad played. My dad was more athletic, I guess. He, would, he played uh, um, soccer, football, uh, golf. But uh, yeah, I don't know why they they really wanted me to do golf i honestly don't really know why i guess the same thing my dad thought was golf i could play forever and there was yeah. less injury in golf so yeah they just always really was passionate about golf and they just really wanted me to like golf as well <laughs> yeah well listen Ali, it's been great to talk to you um thank you for for well, taking time out of your schedule to do this i really appreciate it it was it was great to talk to you. So if anybody wants to find you, we could find your content on YouTube at Golfer uh, Mini and on Instagram, it's Golfer underscore Mini. Um, and where can we find you over the next kind of couple of years and in terms of the golf? What, what's your kind of schedule that you, you're planning on doing maybe when COVID passes? Couple years, okay. Uh, <laughs> hopefully on tour, on the big regular tour somewhere. It, it can be... In Japan, in America, in Europe, honestly, anywhere is fine. Yeah. Or just honestly, just being able to play golf, I guess, would make me the happiest. So you, you can definitely see me uh, golfing somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just having fun with golf. Awesome. Well, thank you very much again. And I wish you all the best in the future. And yeah, thank you for taking the time. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Thank you, Anna. Cheers, guys. Thank you.